0: is a true story and contains graphic details of a violent crime. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. We want to apologize for the delay. We've been getting so many tips and pieces of information that we're combing through it all and we're getting ready to share it with you. And I'm in Texas, and Amelia's in New Jersey, so we're doing it cross-country this week. That's why it's gonna be installment number one of this week's two-part series.
1: So one thing that's been missing from this case from the very beginning, other than a clear suspect, is why, why would anyone wanna kill these two girls? Was it a thrill kill? Was it drug-related? Was it sexually motivated? Do the girls know something that someone wanted to keep hidden?
0: From our discussions, there are several theories that are out there to this day, and we believe that somewhere in all these theories and rumors lies the truth. This week we spoke to a few of Carla and Vicky's friends from childhood, and it was really great to get an idea of what the girls were like as teenagers. I mean, we've been focusing so much on the day the day of happenings and, you know, the surroundings of that day. We wanted to give you a bigger glimpse into why this case has struck a chord with us. Obviously, Both of us were teenagers at one time in our lives, and we can vividly remember what it was like to be 14 and 16. So naive, full of energy, feeling invincible. We both have family that are around that age, which makes it all feel so real about how young these girls really were. Their whole lives ahead of them with endless possibilities.
1: Since we've really only focused on the gruesome murder and all the people surrounding the case, it was really nice to hear stories from friends about what the girls were like. And thanks to everyone that shared details and memories of the girls. It really put a smile on my face to talk with a few friends, and even through a few tears, we were able to talk about the good times they had growing up together. We heard about how they liked to laugh, listen to music, and dance to the Bee Gees. We got to hear how vicky was older and more reserved while carla a bit younger was more vivacious and outgoing the girls were mature beyond their years but for the most part doing things normal teenage girls would do given that their parents were not always around they learned quickly how to take care of themselves as well as their younger siblings one of the things that really struck us through our discussions is how tight-knit all of the kids were. They were always looking out for each other and caring for the ones that were younger than them. Also, not only were the girls caring and sweet, but they were also beautiful. And if you take a look at our Facebook page, you can see pictures of them. You will see just how beautiful they were. They did go out with their friends and they were very social. They were known to have a few drinks and a few smokes, but remember, you know, this was the 70s and the 80s, and this type of activity was commonplace among teenagers. For context, the legal drinking age wasn't raised until raised to 21 until 1984. And the legal age to purchase cigarettes was 16. And I'm sure these laws may not even have been strictly enforced then. Either way, Carl and Vicky weren't doing anything most other. You know, average teenagers weren't doing in Dover, Tennessee. So, you know, we've mentioned Vicky was seeing Randall Riggins, and from what we understand, she was rumored to be pregnant at the time of her death. And and if it's true, you know, she probably had just found out. And it, and also, Randall was her only boyfriend, and so potentially, if she was pregnant, he, most likely he would have been the father. Um, cause he was her, you know, only boyfriend at the time. And I'm sure if this was the case, she was filled with anxiety and confusion. And at the time of her disappearance, she, you know, she was still very young. And although Carla was younger than her, you know, younger than all of her friends, um, they told us that when she put her makeup on and her red lipstick, she was a knockout and could pass for much older than 14. She had a spunk to her that was not only mature, but fun loving. And we've heard rumors that several older guys in town, even within the law enforcement, kept a close eye on young Carla. And as far as we know, Carla didn't have one steady boyfriend at the time of her disappearance, but potentially quite a few admirers.
0: Last week, we heard news from an anonymous caller that there was a possibility that Carla was scheduled to turn in state's evidence to the courthouse on September 18th. Now, as of today, we are still working diligently to find out if this is indeed true. It does seem suspicious that if the girls went missing on the 17th, and if they were scheduled to turn in evidence, it could have something to do with why they went missing. We don't know what that evidence could have consisted of, but it does seem that at least a few people had heard that that was the case, and some of them heard directly from the girls themselves that they were going to go to the court. Maybe this could be a motive?
1: And another avenue of our investigation, another road that this has taken us down, is this mysterious trespasser during the weeks leading up to their disappearance. We have heard that that deputy, you know, had several regrets about not arresting that individual at the time of this disturbance, but why? We don't know.
0: And from our sources, we understand this trespasser may have been linked to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation in some way. Could he have been investigating the Atkins household? Or was he somehow linked to the girls in another way? And why would he be trespassing? Why would he be so upset and or obsessed with the girls? I say that because we recently heard information stating that when he was on the property, he was
1: yelling, I will kill you all. And in case you were wondering what this trespasser drove, we did recently learn that this, tresp- this trespasser owned a blue truck and he also owned a brown car. So, we are working to uncover more information on this situation and on more information about this trespasser. So, if you or someone you know has more information, please reach out to us on Facebook or through our podcast app. So, not to throw too much at you guys this episode,
0: but we've also heard from a few sources that there was a fellow by the name of Tim Webb who committed suicide in 2006. It's rumored he may have had information about the murders, but we may never know as his death, although labeled a suicide, still has questions around it to this day. However, there's a possibility he may have confided in a few people his knowledge of the crime before passing.
1: So Lainey, since you've been away, I did get the opportunity to talk to Dr. Jerry Francisco. Dr. Francisco um, is the medical examiner who um, was responsible for the autopsies of Carla and Vicki. And I was quite fascinated talking to Dr. Francisco. He um, just might possibly be one of the most notorious MEs, um in the country. He. Um, was a medical examiner for both Elvis and Martin Luther King Jr. as well. He's in well into his 90s and he still seemed very sharp. Um, and it was really nice talking to him, but um, we did speak for a few minutes and he doesn't you know, recall um, the case of Carla and Vicky exactly, but we were able to go over the autopsy a little bit. And he did tell me that if he did not put in the autopsy that Vicky was pregnant, then she more than likely was not. So what he did say is, even if she was in the early stages of pregnancy, that if if he didn't know that she was pregnant, that she wouldn't have even known she was pregnant. So I don't know what that means exactly. I don't, so maybe she was, and maybe she wasn't, maybe she thought she was.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Amelia. Maybe she thought she was, but if the medical examiner doesn't think she's pregnant I would assume that he would probably have that information I, I'm sure they ran some kind of test it seems like that's probably a test that they would run just on basically any autopsy right um, so that's a good point but maybe yeah. she maybe she thought she was mm-hmm. yeah. um, now to circle back to episode one Um, You know, in episode one, we identified that the Bruce brothers could be be potential suspects. And, you know, to our knowledge, we think that the law enforcement agencies have kind of tried to pin um, this this double murder on the Bruce brothers, even though it hasn't officially happened that way. Um, This would have been more of that random killing motive that we started investigating From all that we heard, these guys were definitely not the most upstanding citizens, uh, and they were ruthless when it came to money and their livelihood, which is really interesting because it's documented. Um, As you can see in the Forensic Files episode, Shell Game, which we had mentioned in episode one, that they have been convicted of the murder of two people who competed with them in the mussel shell harvesting business from this documentary which i found really interesting since i had one no idea that there was a whole industry around harvesting mussel sh- shells <laughs> for the mother of pearl that's inside them for that those jewelry and trinkets that are made from that mother of pearl and that this industry is also dominated by a lot of unsavory characters very interesting i would go watch the documentary if you had a chance anyway check it out if you want to hear more But the fact of the matter is that we feel like these guys definitely were evil with a purpose and really have no real reason to murder two teenage girls randomly. But if you have any information on the Bruce Brothers Possible Connection, please reach out. We would love to hear
1: how and why law enforcement feels these could be the killers. Yeah, so now that we have talked through uh, the trespasser theory, but still have no why, The girls um, having evidence or states evidence that they wanted to turn in, um, we went through that as a theory, but we still have no why. Um, We've talked through the random Bruce Brothers possibility, as you just said, and we still have no why either. So in part two um, of this week's, Um, episode we're going to dive into the background of the lead investigators for this case Um, we're going to talk about sheriff david hicks and the tennessee bureau of investigation agent uh, jack charlton